Yo, yo, what up? We are back. Urban absurdity. <laughs> I was thinking all all yesterday. I said, I, I, wonder, I catch you off guard. I wonder, I wonder <laughs> is he going to say it. <laughs> you know what? That's what fucked me up. Could you tell us I got a mental thing now that you gave me? It's like literally there. Dude, it's because of you. You sponsored that shit. I am not sorry. You know, we got a guest. We can't you're really, right, we right. can't really we'll just argue this, this Let's show. Let's save this for later. Okay, we're right, we coming back to it, though. We will. Hey, man. In my opinion, we got an icon sitting here. We do. This dude, you know my favorite character in Trippin' was Fish? (laughs) 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 This nigga was roasting the hell out of Anthony Anderson and and her rubber legs. All right. (laughs) Radio from life, man. Greatest like that. Amazing. Been around forever, man. God Tori is in the house with us, y'all. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, he made it known. Uh-oh. Oh, do you see it? <laughs> yeah, That's dope, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 he yeah, got to yeah. take it off because he got it. Okay. <laughs> He's like, let me take this jacket off let everybody see this. St. Louis versus everybody. Uh, no, no, no. Read it. Read it. Everybody. Everybody. Okay. Yeah, okay. Er, my bad. See? Er, man. Look, okay. Everybody. So can we explain that? Is that the mentality for uh, Guy Tory in 2021? Absolutely, man. <laughs> what the- <laughs> You know, I'm from I'm from the first greatest city in Missouri. You oh, two shots. I know we in Kansas right now. How long we been going? I know y'all rep Kansas City, Kansas, Missouri too. So no, just for the whole area. I, I do. Area. No, we're one in the same. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like East St. Louis and St. Louis, I guess. So is it beef up that way, like they do yeah. here, like from like right over the water? Like nah, y'all not a. Uh, yeah, man, we 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 mess with them Jimmys every once in a while. But, uh, <laughs> you know, some great people came out of East St. Louis. Listen, the fact that he waited, y'all, the fact that he waited for this though. Oh yeah. The yeah. fact to the cameras was rolling. Exactly. I know. <laughs> hey, I know my cue. You know, he's like, I've been doing this a long goddamn time. I see. He said, I when see. the lights come on, I'm coming out. You save it. You save it for the camera. You save it for the camera. You see the reaction it got out of y'all? Yeah. yeah. On camera. Right. That was unexpected. Right. It was. I didn't. It was. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. But we respect the shit out of it, though. You yeah. know, we I got see the to... hat you got on. You rocking that case. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Man, we don't get into you, though, bro. Let's start. Let's take. One year back, 2020, I talked to a lot of comedians lately, man, and there was a lot of different stories on how COVID, like, affected the comedy industry and how it, like, affected them personally. Yeah. How was 2020 for God Tour? Man, I needed 2020, man. I, I, I hate that people lost lives and lost jobs and lost, you know, businesses, man, but I needed 2020, man. Yeah. You know, 2020 was a year of Nate Robinson, right? Uh-huh. We all came out at the top of the year with <laughs> promise and this is going to be our year and yeah. our vision boards. We got knocked out in the fucking third round, <laughs> which was what would be March. Yeah, exactly. So, You're so right. It was a year. It was a year. Nate Robinson, man. We had high hopes and went down fast <laughs> like, and hard. Second and hard. month <laughs> and hard. And some people didn't get back up. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about it was, man, I needed it, man, just for my body and my mental. You know, uh, it was also the year of the pivot, the year of the mm-hmm. Akeem Olajuwon, the, the dude in the, who had the, the center with the best footwork, who yeah. had to, can pivot in the paint. So that's what it was, too. You had to learn how to pivot and do other things mm-hmm. in, in 2020 because, you know, your way of life was different. Yeah. And you had to, like, you know, be creative and you had to, like, you know, make moves. Yeah. But to me, it took me off the road. My worst year financially uh, as a as of income because of, you know, no shows going on. 
Yeah. And thank God I had, you know, I, I survived because I didn't need, you know, assistance. I was, I was, I was good, but my body needed that rest because you got to realize I'm on the road 30, 40, 35, 40 weekends a year. Oh my God. Right. I'm doing 250 to 300 shows a year. Yeah. I drink for free. <laughs> yeah. I drink for free yeah. between like, you know, between like mixed drinks and shots, I'm doing four shots a show. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, 300 shelves a year. That's just mm-hmm. Thursday through Sunday. So, you know, the stress of traveling, the mm-hmm. stress of packing, the stress of airports and being on those planes and being in hotels yeah. and then the shows and everything. And then you're eating bad when you're on the road. You know, you're, you're, you're entertainer. You get fast food most of the time. You know, that's yeah. what's open late when you get off stage or you're eating comic club food. Some comic club food is terrible. Yeah. Bad food, <laughs> you know. And at, at the age I am, you know, oh, that's a recipe for, for, for death. Yeah. So taking me off the road and allowing my body to kind of like, okay, you know, heal and recuperate uh-huh. from years and years of that same behavior. Uh-huh. Hey, I need it 2020. I, I, I take anything negative and find a positive in it any, yeah. any damn way. You give me anything negative, I'm going to find a silver lining in it. Mm-hmm. So let's, it, you know, you, you, I, I'm going to find a way to make it good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So how long have you been doing comedy? Shit, uh, my whole life, really. I mean, just professionally, <laughs> maybe twenty nine years, twenty eight, twenty nine years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I read something about um, you went to college at Southeast Missouri State University, C-mo, right? Simo, Simo, Simo. And they right. said that you were throwing comedy slams like inside of like lunch rooms and well, break it, rooms and shit. Not knowing what it was, I mean, it was like Jonah. What we do in school? What you do on the school bus? You yeah. know what you do on campus in the student union? You know, so it wasn't really comedy shows, but I would joan on on people, you know, and people would gather around. Yeah. So it became a show, mm-hmm. you know. So in college at SEMO, we had this, this um, you know, student center mm-hmm. where you, you could eat. You know, you had the cafeterias, but you had the student center, too. They had restaurants in there. And, you know, I would sit in front of this big window, me and my yeah. boys. And anybody walked past that window, we would clown. <laughs> clown. So after a while, yeah. after a couple of weeks, people got wind of it. And, like, it was around the same time every day. <laughs> so people just start crowding around, like, at 1 o'clock, uh-huh. Monday through Friday, to see who got clowns. So mm-hmm. you can walk past that window and get clowns. <laughs> and that's how it started. So I wasn't really, you know, selling tickets to shows. I wasn't even a comedian, but yeah. it just that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And then it, when, I, when I got kicked out of college, uh, and went worked. You know. Wait, 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 wait. You can't just skip past Right, wait. <laughs> when you got kicked out of college? Yeah. How did I, this I, happen? Uh, I hit a cop. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, I hit the cop. I thought it was behind the comedy. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little deeper. The way they, the way they whipped my ass was in front of that. Was like, oh man! <laughs> but but no, I I went back to St. Louis and started working. So every yeah. store I worked, in, every job I had, I, I brought comedy with me. Uh huh. So my coworkers and stuff would, would would you know would gather around the same time. I worked at a like a little department store, you know, like a Walgreens type store, but a bigger type Walgreens type store. Where they, Grandpa Pigeons, what they called it in St. Louis. So whenever I took my breaks, you know, I'd be in the break room <laughs> clowning. So everybody want to take their break when I took my break. Yeah. You know? And, and so everybody that, stopped working when you like, went hey, to the break. I was like, the whole story in the back. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yo, what time is the show? I'm like, what show? They're like, what time are you taking your break? <laughs> so then, you know, so that's how I started, man. And in that same time, my brother Joe had already moved to L.A. and was already making things happen for himself. Yeah. And, you know, I was just like, fuck it, you know? Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not me? Yeah. You know, so moved to L.A. and the rest is history. I was about to say, uh, you had to get a lot of courage from that if everybody's just waiting on your breaks in the, in the <laughs> high school. You got everything. I mean, in college, it, the shows and everything. So if everybody's waiting, they had to encourage you. So you were never, 
like afraid to get on stage and do it, was you know you you can be afraid, but you know I heard Dave Chappelle. He made a very uh, very smart statement uh, mm-hmm. in my my documentary that I'm doing. He said uh, you can be af- he said I, I can be scared but not a coward. Okay, uh, you can be afraid but not a coward. You yeah. can be scared to do something, mm-hmm. right? You know you're gonna do it. You're, you're scared, it. but you're gonna do it. But if yeah. you're a coward, then you're gonna not do it at all. That's dope. That's that came from, you know, deep as fuck. Damn. Yeah, that's the, the great Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I, I saw a picture. Hey, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to know. I mean, I'm just saying, I wouldn't walk past this window if I knew that one o'clock. I thought about that, too. Why they keep walking past the window? <laughs> Here's the funny thing about that. People who knew would start running past the window. So, so you see people running past the window. You see people stop and make a funny face because they know we're talking about them. Yeah. And you see women walk fast. They want to run, but they walk fast and kind of look, you know, to see if we there. And like we see, bitch. I see. I'll be oh like, I'm God. not going to six period this time. I'm not How going. big was this window? Like it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was huge. It's oh, okay. this wall. It's like a, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a student center. Oh, okay. okay. So it's like huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say about at least, you know, I don't know, forty yards. So walking down that hall was like the Apollo. It was like, in the hall. It was. It, it was. It was booed out of that. Moment. It was the outside. So okay. you had to walk past this to get in. Okay. So you kind of couldn't avoid it. That's worse. You kind of couldn't avoid it. So that's how y'all welcome, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome to Southeast, goddamn. Yeah. But you said, well, I I read that you went to New York. You moved to New York. Well, yeah, we we grew up, we, we army brats. So you know, I originally grew up in uh, was born in California, Northern California, in, in Seaside, Monterey, and then you know, parents kind of separated for a minute. You know, Dad had PTSD from Vietnam, so you know, my mom kind of like broke broke camp and went to New York, and then she didn't like how we was growing up in New York, so she chose St. Louis where they lived before before I was born, and then pops was like, you know what, let me get back with my family. Okay. So yeah. So did you learn? Did you learn when you moved to New York or when you went to a different place? Like, I need to learn how to like Jones on people. No, I mean, it, it, I was young, but but at the same time, I mean, you grew up in a in a family with six kids and a, another brother, you know, like Joe and another brother and a sister. I mean, three sisters and you know, and two brothers. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just happening. natural. Yeah. yeah. So natural. are you the youngest? No, I have a little sister. Oh, okay. Who's funny too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so everybody's funny. Uh, not everybody. Joe's not really that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, my I'm God. Joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> He's a little sensitive about that. So I was about to say, is there like a friendly competition between you two guys or is it like, like turned up 100% like I don't, I can it's all with, competition? I compete with me. Mm-hmm. I don't compete with anybody. Ugh. If somebody want to compete with me, that's on them. Mm-hmm. I compete with me. Okay. Okay. That's good. I definitely get <laughs> that's that. That's like golf. I am my competition. It's like golf. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at a golf, Tiger Woods ain't competing against Phil Mickelson and, and El Nino and all those guys. He competes against the course. Yeah. So I compete against me. I'm the course. Okay. So I'm competing with myself. I don't have, you know, I don't mm-hmm. have competition. Mm-hmm. Now, if y'all want to compete with me, good luck. Yeah, I was about to say, because a lot of people might not know about your writing credits. And as far as, like, the Martin Show and Moesha and things like that, how did you get started as a writer? Man, shit, rent got to be paid. Uh, <laughs> you live in L.A., man. You better find a way. <laughs> other than selling ass, you better, you better find other ways. A lot of ass selling going on in, in L.A. Yeah, I would rather write this. Yeah, you know what? I'll fuck it. I'm going to write. They selling their whole and their soul out there. 
<laughs> that, that first year rough. God damn. Okay. It's rough. It's rough in, in Hollywood streets. Gotcha. <laughs> so no, I was I started as a PA on the Martin show and um and uh, Martin was always encouraging me to learn how to write. And and one day he told uh, one of the other writers, producers, like, yo, you know, give guys script. Yeah. So we I mean it's uh the writing, writer's assistants got together and mm-hmm. uh, we wrote an episode of Martin. And then after that, it, you know, I started doing punch up for other shows, punch mm-hmm. up writing for those who don't know. It's like you don't write the script, but when they – let me break it down for you for a normal sitcom. Okay. You know, when you have a sitcom, you're going to have a like – you're going to have at least 12 to 13 or 14 writers in a room, mm-hmm. right, in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Each writer is assigned – one to two to three episodes a season. Usually a season is 22 episodes in the old format of TV. Right. Everything has changed now. Mm-hmm. But back then, uh, you have 22 episodes of a show. Sometimes, you know, you'll have, you know, 20, uh, 29, yeah. you know. But you have 22 episodes. And so each writer assigned one to two to three scripts. And then when they bring their script to the table, to the writer's room, mm-hmm. for that episode, you're reading it, and then everybody has... An idea. They're pitching jokes or pitching storylines on that one script mm-hmm. to make it better. So right. you still get full credit for being the writer for that episode, mm-hmm. but you got twelve to thirteen other writers, you know, pitching jokes, pitching storylines. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I think this is better. Or we did that in episode four, or whatever. Or or that's not you know that's not current or what yeah. we're talking about. So that's what happens. And and so I was assigned a script. Mm-hmm. And me and the writer's assistant, and we wrote it, and then you know it got tabled and things like that. But you know the bulk of it is yours. You you you, you wrote most of it. Mm-hmm. It's just somebody comes in and punch it up. So that's what that's what my job was on other shows, punch up. Mm-hmm. So I come oh, in better. and just sit there and punch and, and jokes. Oh, it'd be funny if Martin said this, or if if, if uh, wow. Tashina said this, or if you know. So yeah. that's a that's what a punch up writer is. Okay. Wow. But the, See, we learned something on I know, here. Right? I ain't yeah. knowing about that shit. I didn't so, either. So I did that for Moesha. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a writer. I was a punch up on a show called Minor Adjustments. Where, uh, Wendy Raquel Robinson was on a show, a UPN show, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I wrote a full script on that one with Reggie McFadden, another comedian. Uh, and but but other episodes, I was in there just to punch up shows. And they use they use punch up writers on like award shows. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the host somebody hosting an award show. Somebody hosting the Oscars or the Grammys or mm-hmm. the BET Awards. You have writers that come in and write for the host. And mm-hmm. then you have people coming in and punching up jokes. Mm-hmm. Man, I see a lot of people like being, um, what's the word, aspiring writers now. Right. So if you could like answer their questions on how do you get into writing. Because, of course, like for guys like you, grind on the road, get known for stand-up comedy and credits like that, it's easy to... You know, people be like, okay, you know what I mean? I want your brain on paper, you know what I mean? I want some of your comedy. But for a, for a regular Joe who wants to be a writer, how would that even work? And study. I mean, you can either take classes or just or just you know, read books on it. Start writing spec scripts. Start writing scripts. If you want to write half hours, write half hours. You want to write one-hour dramas, write one-hour dramas. You want to mm-hmm. write uh, theatricals, film, then write those. There's mm-hmm. books on it. There's there's classes on it. And and, it, and and I don't know if they still have it in L.A., but there's a writer's program you can get recommended by, you know, a top writer. And they send you to this school, Warner Brothers School of Writing, I think, or the Disney School of Writing. Mm-hmm. And and then, you you know, you go through that process. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, write a bomb-ass script, get you a lawyer, start submitting it, start shopping it, protect mm-hmm. it, because a lot of scripts get stolen. Yeah. And and then, voila, you know, you set your prayers on and, 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 
You know, hopefully your prayers are answered. <laughs> have you had a stolen script or a stolen joke? I have a stolen jokes, stolen ideas, a lot of stolen shit, you know? There's a, there was a popular show on uh, HBO years ago that uh, that it was my idea, but I was young at the time, didn't know any better, didn't register it, and uh, yeah, it got done. It was very, a very successful show, too. And mm-hmm. this kind of let me know, okay, on the right track. Yeah. You know, if, if if they took my shit. <laughs> <laughs> so make a positive out of a negative yeah, again. Yeah, okay. exactly. It's like there's way more where that came from. Got you, got yeah. you. It lets me know that, okay, my ideas, people like. Mm. So, yeah, it happens. It's going to happen. Yeah. That's why you got to protect your stuff. You know, it's very simple. Uh, WGA.org, WGA.org, which is the Writers Guild of America. You can go in there if you have an idea for a script or whatever. You can go there, you submit it, and and it's that's one way of, protect, of protecting it. Wow! Damn! It doesn't keep people from stealing your shit. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, because sometimes big studios will uh, take your shit and dare you to take them to court, and they can afford to take you to court. Yeah. And you sometimes, the, 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 <laughs> like they did with the Matrix, you want to understand the Matrix was written by a black woman, mm-hmm. and it was stolen. Mm-hmm. And then she she waited. It blew the hell up. She took him to court, and she got pizzed. Oh my god! Wow. The Matrix was a major because if you look at it, I mean, it's it, you look at the whole concept of the Matrix. It mm-hmm. was basically based off the Bible. Neo was Jesus, the one mm-hmm. come to save the earth. You know, the okay. same thing. If you think you have all power, when you think outside the Matrix. The Bible tells you you have all power. You think be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. So it's if you look at the parallels, you know. Mm-hmm. And the black woman wrote it. That's why in in the movie the, the Oracle was okay. Woman. I didn't think about it like that, but I do believe there's still ideas though because it's already happened to me. I submitted an idea, a pitch, I sent it to a. <laughs> see, this is how green I am. We started this shit. I'm feeling good. Like, oh shit, I got ideas. So I sent it to the big <laughs> studio. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna mention their name, but like four to five months later, I saw my shit. <laughs> I saw my fucking pitch. Like, wow. So. But it does make you push. Somebody said, best? what you going to do? I'm like, how the, the fuck? Now you got list. If you're right. going to drop the name of the studio, at least drop the project. Let her figure it out ourselves. All right, the pitch was, <laughs> well, we doing it. Okay. Exactly. What you're doing, like my pitch was to have up-and-coming comedians all the way up to the legends. And, and, and we do a podcast, kind of like Drink Champs does for hip-hop. Right. Like, Really get into the culture of comedy and have the OGs, have George Wilborn on here, get some good stories. You know what I mean? Had a whole array of comedy. That's, that's, that's what I sent them before I actually built it. And, like it was a pitch. And that's not that's not that original. No, now, but now, now what you check this out. I'm gonna go a little bit further. Okay. The email that I sent them, and and it was crazy because, like I said, this wasn't a standalone email to where I send it to to where I can show a copy. This is something that you submit, and once you hit it, it's like it's theirs. But like what I wrote in my head. I put together this reel because I'm figuring like, hey man, you gotta, you know what I mean? You got some shit, that, you know, if they want to look at you, right. you know what I mean? So at least talk like, you know what I mean? You a businessman and shit. Right. So I worded it properly. Right. And I swear to God, the goddamn caption of this shit looked like damn exactly fucking word for word what I put. And it was four months later and it started getting random comedians. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. why nobody doing that? But but I could be big headed. I don't give a fuck. No, no. I mean, it very well could have been. You know, inspired by that, or it could have been taken from that. They took my shit. Hey, I'm I'm Midwest, bro. I'm I'm born and raised in Chicago. You know what I mean? I'm gonna keep it real all the way around. You know what I mean? I just looked at it and it was just like it was just strange. But like, uh, I told a couple people like, you know, you know, sometimes you ask people like, "Am I crazy?" 
You know what I mean? No, the three no, people no. that was like, man, it's legit. And then some people said, well, man, that's what they do. Like, you know what I mean? That's the big studios do. They drive for ideas and shit like that. You know what I mean? They and, yeah, and, and, and sometimes it could be one person and the studio doesn't know that that person even took it from someone else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It could be whoever the email went to. So the intern submitted my shit, took the credit. We're going to have to. Could have. Could have. Could have. We're going to get back in the year. I mean, when you, when, you, when, you, when you do something like that, you have to register it, right? And also, I mean, that that's a, that's not a, a a ingenious idea. So the word was it ain't proprietary, as they right. say. Exactly. Because I mean, I mean, how many how many stand up shows can you do? Like Def Jam, right? Yeah. So you got to okay. So just because another person does does one, then steal the idea. Mm-hmm. And how can I make it different from Def Comedy Jam? How yeah. can I make it different from Comic View? How can I make it different from Heart of the City? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So each show is trying to find a way to, to add their own little spin on it to sell it because a network is going to want it. You know, if HBO yeah. had Def Jam, then Showtime want their version of Def Jam, but different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then BET, like, and this is what it was. Def Jam was raw, uncut, and you know, brothers and sisters from the fucking hood. Yeah. Straight, no chaser. So then BET came around, which is a family network. Yeah. We're going to do the same thing, but clean. Oh, mm-hmm. right. So that's how they you. sold their show. So you, okay. got, you got, you got, you know, raw over here. You got, you know, good shit, family shit over here. So same type of show, but different, different point of view. Yeah. Then you got Heart of the City, which is stand up to showcases, but they go into certain cities, picking certain comics, having an OG from that city uh, who does stand up, give mm-hmm. some words of advice. See, they put their spin on it. Mm-hmm. So you just got to find. It's, it's like they say you can't reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah. We heard that saying a thousand fucking times. A thousand times. times. I say you can't reinvent the wheel. Put some new rims on that bitch. <laughs> exactly. There you so go. That's all you got to do. You ain't gonna reinvent <laughs> live stand up comedy. You ain't gonna reinvent a podcast. Interviewing comedians, yeah. Just put some new rims on your shit. You know you're right. You're right. I they love this. this Look at all these jewels <laughs> falling. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I gotta ask another because, question because about if, this. Because if that's the thing, you're gonna be butthole hurt for a long time if anybody <laughs> steal your ideas. No, nah, you gotta get past it. Like right. I told them, I'm a uh, position different now, and now it's it's getting to the point to where I'm just gonna direct my own shit. Like I ain't sending nobody no script. When I send it to you, I'm gonna send you a season. You know what I mean? You can't steal this. Right. You know I'm just gonna turn. <laughs> Submitted through an attorney, entertainment right. attorney. We ain't got no money yet, uh, guy. You know what I mean? We still. You, 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 <laughs> here's the thing. You see that, 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 we still the little people. That's an excuse, and 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 that's why you you'll always be a little person if you use that excuse. Okay. So what you do is you find an up and coming uh, entertainment attorney, who, who who trying to learn to get the experience too. That's why I tell people all the time. In today's world, there's no fucking excuses. Yeah. You don't have to be in Hollywood. You don't have to be in New York and all these big cities. You, you you can shoot movies and shit on your phone mm-hmm. and edit it on your phone. Mm-hmm. You you you, find, you and you, if you're in that city, find somebody who's who wants who an aspiring writer mm-hmm. and and get with them. Find some people who want to be aspiring actors and get with them. Find somebody who's aspiring director and get with them. Find somebody who's aspiring uh, um, camera person and yeah. get with them. All y'all get together like Voltron and and motherfuckers <laughs> activate. <laughs> so now so now you got a writer. Yeah. You got actors. Yep. You got director. You got a DP, direct, director of photography. Mm-hmm. So what's the fucking excuse? And you find somebody who wants to be an editor. Yeah. And you get them edit, and y'all come together and and buy each other lunch and pizzas and whatever and, exactly. and make your shit. Now all of you all have a reel. You got a reel as a director. You got a reel as an actor. You got a reel as a writer. You got a reel as a DP. You got a reel as a director. So it's like there's no excuses, mm-hmm. especially in today's world. Look what you are doing right now. Yeah. This ain't this ain't a fucking radio show. You're not a radio station. Yeah. You you got a space. You got lights. You got. A dude in a tight ass a baseball shirt. <laughs> to, 
Kenzie Rose shirt to shoot. You got your own microphone and you do it. <laughs> hey man, we're <laughs> like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's, a, it's a road you know, like, shirt. Baby, I got pulled over today, and God Tory went in on me. I just need my feet rubbed. The same, <laughs> the same fucking shirt that stole the World Series in 1987 from the Cardinals. The I-70 series. I'm petty, they, and I hope he, he went back. He is petty. He is petty for that shit. <laughs> this is muscle. Too, he I'm said, not growing he said this too shirt. soon. Too soon. Just give, give it a few more months. <laughs> he looked around. So what is what was it like to have a successful show uh, at the comedy store? Oh, it was, you know, it, it was, I say this all the time. Well, I not all the time. I've been saying it recently. Uh, it was an assignment. And the assignment came definitely from above for me to uh, create a night to showcase talent that was not being seen. And, you know, there's no way with the experience that I had back then and the lack of funds that I could have done it without it being an assignment from God, period. Yeah. Period. That's interesting because I hear so much about the comedy store, especially back then. Right. And everybody had to, like, go through it right. or just go through different, like, little comedy houses and, and places. The comedy they... store was the one. That was the one that was the most respected around the yeah. world, basically. So for God to place this comedy night that he put in my spirit to create there was 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 nothing short of an assignment from the above. So was it important for you to build your own name, like not since your brother was already out there? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Tupac was always uh, on me in my head, like, yo, get, get out your brother's <laughs> shadow, you know, create your own lane. And, uh, it, and, and that was constantly in my head. To just go ahead and, and get it on your own and do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Tupac, I met Tupac. You know, of course, my brother did the movie Poetic Justice with him, and I met him. And, and you know, he was, Tupac loved comedy, right? So he would always frequent comedy clubs and things like that. And, you know, comedy clubs and, you know, comedians and, and, and rappers, you know, hip-hop artists, you know, one and the same, basically. Yeah. He just got music to it. You know, we writers, we, we you know, it's set up, execution, delivery, you know, thank you. Uh, all of that. So, yeah. Okay. Now, I read something. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's not sure about this, so I'm going to ask the man. It says year one of the original Kings of Comedy you were hosting? Yeah, first host of the Kings of Comedy, too. Uh, so, we, we actually, uh, I think, one of those shows actually in Kansas City, I believe, at, uh, is it Memorial? Was yeah, it we, yeah, Memorial, Memorial Hall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Memorial Hall, yeah, 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 in 90, 97. Uh I hosted, I was a young, I was more like the prince of the kings of comedy because I was okay. only doing comedy five, six years at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve, Bernie, and Cedric that were already, they weren't OGs yet, yeah. but they were they were already, you know, in and, and mm -hmm. solidified as, you know, on their way to greatness. Yeah. And um, they tapped me as a host, Walter Latham tapped me as a host, and Steve, Bernie, and Cedric, you know, picked me, you know, you know said okay, they okayed it, and I got to host. Uh, probably one of the greatest tours I was on and learned from those guys. That's why I say it was so great. So I learned from Cedric. I learned from Bernie. I learned from Steve. Mm -hmm. So it was a great experience. And I left. I left the tour voluntarily. People say, oh, he got fired. No, I left voluntarily. <laughs> I was about to say, they said you like landed a movie on UPN or something a like show, that or a TV so? Show. Okay. Yeah, I landed a TV show on UPN, mm -hmm. paying me 10 times as much as I was making on uh, the Kings of Comedy show. But I didn't leave for that reason. I had left before that. And when he asked me to come back, I had already, you know, 
landed the show. But mm-hmm. I had, um, I had, uh, I was a comic. Yeah. When I started it, and being on tour with Bernie, Cedric, and Steve, I became a comedian. Mm. Big difference between a comic and a comedian. Those guys were comedians. They comedian comics say funny things. Comedian make things funny. Mm-hmm. And being on the road with those three, you know, giants. Learning from those guys, I had to get into the clubs mm-hmm. and really just grind out an act. Because mm-hmm. I had jokes, but I didn't have an act. Okay. It's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, if you want to sustain an audience for 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. you got to have an act. can't have just jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you want, when, you, when someone leaves a comedy show, you want them to leave with a piece of you. You want, you want them to take a piece of you home with them. Bad or good, I, you know. Yeah. But you want them to take a beat. But if they just don't remember who the fuck you are, what you said, and you, they just laughed, mm-hmm. then you're a comic. Okay. So do you in regret? My, in not, my opinion, do you regret not doing it? No, not at all. I don't look back. I look forward. I get you. If it was supposed to happen, it's supposed to happen. Yes, sir. And 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 the experience I gained by hitting these comedy clubs because I went on the comedy club, so I had like toured like like that, mm-hmm. and like I'm doing now in these comedy clubs. That's the gym. Comedy clubs are the gym. That's where you work shit out. That's mm-hmm. where you find your voice. That's where you 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 you, you tighten up jokes. That's where you get you write more jokes. Yeah. That's where you gain experience. You know. That's where you you know fuck your liver up <laughs> <laughs> with, your, with your three to four shots. A bit of alcohol. <laughs> a show. <laughs> uh, do you think it's important for someone who's trying to break out in comedy to do it like in different places in different states or cities? Absolutely. I mean, you, that's how you gain material. That's how you get experience. You know. You, you, you gotta you gotta put yourself in situations to 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 experience different things so you can, it can reflect in your stand up. You yeah. know you gotta you gotta make yourself a fish out of water. You know to really find uh, what's funny, find that funny, find that experience, make the shit relatable. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because man, I just think the people that you just named, the kings of comedy and things like that, touring uh, with Bernie, Steve Harvey, Cedric Entertainment. They ain't been in the movie Life with Eddie Murphy, Bernie again. Crazy. Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Martin Lawrence. Anthony Anderson. Man, bro. This is amazing. I don't even know where the fuck to start. Like, how was it being on the set of Life? It was interesting because the same time I was doing Kings of Comedy, Bernie and I was doing, uh, I mean, Bernie and I was doing the movie Life. Mm-hmm. So, so I was with Bernie Mac a lot. A lot. Wow. Uh, and just being on that set, another godsend, another... Uh, assignment for me to to be a sponge and learn and and have that in my in, on my resume to mm-hmm. get in certain doors. Yeah, you know, it's, it wasn't by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was definitely purposeful. Purposeful. Uh, God had a reason to put me there, and uh, you know, it paid off. I was a sponge. Just learn. You always got to be a sponge and learn. When you're learning from such greats like that, incredible. At mm-hmm. the same time, bam, bam. Yeah, because I just saw you in a picture with Paul Mooney, rest in peace to Paul man, Mooney, yeah, and man. Chris Rock. Yeah. It's like, I know the comedy world took a big hit with that. How did it like affect you personally? Because I know you said he like gave you a lot of wisdom and game and stuff like that. How did you feel on that? Paul Mooney was funny because Paul Mooney uh, used to see my brother and I, Joe, and Joe was being older, and was telling Joe to look out, watch his back, because I may have the Belushi syndrome. You know, Jim wow. Belushi was, was famous from Saturday Night Live, and then he died. And uh, no, John Belushi, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. was was the older one who was on Saturday Night Live and then died. And that's when Jim Belushi's brother blew up. So, yeah. So, so <laughs> oh, Paul Mooney would tell Joe, you look sound like a Paul Mooney joke. Yeah. That's harsh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, said, he, said, he said, Joe, the guy waiting on you to die so he can blow up. 
Thank God I didn't have, you know, uh, I didn't have to wait for Joe to die to blow up. Yeah, yeah. Thank God that didn't happen, man. So you just went out to L.A. and just started working. You know, things happen pretty quick. I'm not going to lie. And that, that's not everybody's story. Uh, but the thing about it is it because of the lack of experience, I had to learn quick. So I'm, I, 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 I overly prepare, you know. I'm, I'm all about prep. I'm all about uh, being ready. Because the lack of experience from acting experience or just real stuff. Because I did Def Jam after two years of doing stand-up. You know, mm. and Def Jam was the biggest stage, one of the biggest stages of stand-up exactly. back then. We talking New York City. We talking Def Comedy Jam. We talking motherfuckers got booed and damn, they slit their wrist after the show. Mm-hmm. And I was only doing comedy for two years and, and, and was able to um, be on the show and not just be on the show, but, but do well. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was important because I I leapfrog a lot of people. Were you nervous about that? Getting on Def Jam and doing half, that set? Half half and half. Mm-hmm. You know, because I had put the work in. Yeah. And when I know I put the work in, I'm not worried about it. So you it. knew you was ready. <laughs> I, I knew I was ready. I yes, thought sir. I thought I was ready the last season Martin hosted, but I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But that, that when I did do it, I was ready. I mean, I was ready. Mm-hmm. Cuz I grinded. I I I said fuck everything. You know, I was in comedy clubs every night, two and three times a night, almost six, seven days a week, just mm-hmm. grinding. When you in L.A. and so many spots and pizza parlors and comedy clubs and old juke joints, you can go in and do stand up. Yeah, you can keep and get, it's about those reps. Got to get those reps in. Mm-hmm. So right. speaking of of booed, have you ever been like booed or just had a, a bad show? I've had a lot of bad shows. I mean, that's how you grow. You know, I'm very hard on myself. Uh, mm-hmm. My first standing ovation, I hated my set. I didn't even know I had a standing ovation. I, I was at the Death Jam too. I was in Detroit, and I flubbed two jokes. I'm a perfectionist, and I flubbed two jokes. Yeah. And I said good night, and just kind of like dropped my head and walked backstage. I was kicking shit, being a little bitch. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Kid Capri came back, you know, after they brought the comic on. Like, What's going on? I said, man, I, f- I fucked up that last set. I fucked up two jokes. He's like, man, they stood up. I was like, what? You got a standing ovation? I was like, what? Damn, and I was even okay. I, I was even more mad. Like, damn, I really cheated him then. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I mean, with stand up, man, you, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it just means you take your craft seriously. You know, you what have mean? to, man. I mean, I had had big shoes to fill coming behind my brother. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had, you know, I leapfrog a lot of people to get on Def Jam. There was so many more comedians deserving more than me. So I made mm-hmm. sure I had to be fucking great. So did that cause any problems with any comedian? I mean, not to my face, but I can tell there was some haters. Oh, yeah. yeah I, can t- not, I won't say haters. I just tell there were some people who weren't really, you know, thrilled. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Hey, okay. we, we're so quick to throw a hater term around, and it's so overly used, like icons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so overly used, too. Man, I look at icons, though, as about the impact that they, the people that they were with and the people that who impact the craft. Like, if you so, because a lot of things are behind the scenes. If you don't really research you, like, sometimes people, like Paul Mooney, he didn't just, Paul Mooney was, like, the dopest fucking comedian ever. When I, I found agree. out, like, I was young when I found out that he wrote for Richard Pryor. Yeah. I don't remember what age, but it was like, okay, Richard Pryor is the dopest. And then you, like, all of a sudden we introduced to this dude, well, me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Then when we started researching him, he was like, this motherfucker is the dopest, the greatest. Just hearing him talk, hearing his messages and his jokes and find out he wrote this or he's responsible for this. Yeah. That makes you an icon. Yeah. You know what I mean? They throw it on somebody who's been out for two years and, you know what I mean, whoever make it to a stadium first, but that I ain't agree. really I think, it. I, I think it's somebody, if, if you impact the culture. Yeah. If you really impact the culture, like Michael Jordan changed the game. 
Mm-hmm. Quincy Jones changed the game. Michael Jackson changed the game. Janet changed the game. You know, Jay-Z changed the game. Mm-hmm. Snoop changed the game. You know, people who are game changers, mm-hmm. you know, and they and they really impact the culture. And and last, not only to their generation, but generations that behind them. Mm-hmm. And they still, you know, look up to them and say, to me, that's a definition of an icon. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people I just named impacted the culture. You know, Russell Simmons, you know, the culture. Denzel, icon. They changed, you know, if you inspired... You know, so many people to, to, to try to take that same path, mm-hmm. you know, from generations on, not just your immediate, you know, surroundings or, or generation and but generations to come. Yeah, that's that's iconic status right there. Yeah, exactly. And you got a lot of game, too, so you got a big responsibility ahead of you because they looking down on you, bro. Like anybody, like just to be in that circle is like a big responsibility, I feel. Because I saw you with – Dave Chappelle and Marlon Wayans, like not even just a week ago, like yeah, so my something going on with Dave. I've been <laughs> seeing the random pictures with people. He cooking up something down there. Yeah, you gonna tell him? You gonna tell him? Dave is a genius, man. <laughs> Dave is Dave is an icon. Yes. You know Chris Rock, they're icons. Dave just raised the game, the, the bar again with the, the Midnight Miracle, mm-hmm. the, the the podcast he put out. I was happened to get a, a sneak preview when I was in in Ohio uh, filming for my documentary, mm-hmm. and he and um, Talib Kweli was there. And he let me hear a lot of it, and the way they mixed it and did, man, they, man, that, he raised the game again for podcast. I heard a clip of that. It was like music, and it was like no, he was narrating. It's, it's bigger than that, Bro. man. If you ain't up on it, get up <laughs> on this podcast and get up on the Midnight Miracle podcast. And and, yeah. and and we need stuff like that. We need we need geniuses to do that to help us raise our game, mm-hmm. rather than just mailing shit in, you know. Oh, he did this. Okay. And you don't really want to copy, copy, but mm-hmm. find your way to be, you know. Yeah. I tell people all this, all this I say it like this. When you're on a freeway, mm-hmm. all right, I, I, my job is to want to uh, inspire you. I'm not, I don't want to keep you down. I want to inspire you. I don't want to carry you. So when we're on the freeway, we're all on the same freeway, mm-hmm. right? All going in the same direction. But don't draft me. Be on the side of me going the same speed. Exactly. Don't let me don't 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 let me burn more gas because you you know I'm pulling you on. I, I'm gonna pull you on so much. After a while, you're mm-hmm. gonna have to like break away from me <laughs> and, either, and either just keep up with my speed or pass me. Yeah. And I don't mind if you pass me, mm-hmm. but I ain't gonna keep carrying your ass. Exactly. And that's the thing. So I heard Snoop say it one time. You know, you bring pe- people to the table, and you, you know you you, you, you you the levels may change, right? You may do different things, but it, the gap shouldn't be that that far apart. Yeah. If I'm here and we all came in around basically the same time and you still here, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. And if I'm giving you game or brought you to the game, then it's your job to do what you got to do to keep up with me. It ain't my job to keep giving you shit for you to keep the view to catch up. Mm-hmm. I brought you in, introduced you to the right people. Now, now no 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 no, no go do you. Don't do okay. me. Yeah, exactly. So go do you. That's what I said about the podcast. It's a podcast, a thousand, a million podcasts out there. How are you going to find your, how are you going to make your podcast different from everybody else's? Everybody, whatever you do, not just podcasts, find your it. Mm-hmm. Find your, what is your it? You don't know what it is. You don't know when you find it, but when you find it, you're like, oh, that's it. Okay. You just got to find your it. What is your it? Mm-hmm. What's going to separate you from everybody else in this, in this fucking world? You can mm-hmm. be doing the same thing, but you got to be different. 
It's 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 th- th- that's what's so great about God. Every every most humans has have two eyes, a nose, and a mouth and ears. Yeah, we all look <laughs> fucking different. Even identical twins ain't really identical. Yeah. So even though we doing the same thing, find your way to stand out from the other motherfuckers doing the same shit you doing. Period. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, for people who are like how comedy is now for on the internet, like people just becoming stars or, or just making a name for themselves due to skits or you know how it is now. How do you feel about that versus old school comedy? God bless them. That's their way in. That's their way in. That's their portal in. I had Def Comedy Jam and Comic View and shows like that. The, the generation before me had The Tonight Show and all those late, and Arsenio Hall show and those things. Every generation has different ways, different portals into the industry, the entertainment industry. And this this is happens to be this generation's way in. Now, where, where I, where I um, step off from that is if you're going to do stand-up, then you got to be true to that game too. You got to put in those reps, you know. You have to put in those reps. You have to be on stage. And why not have the best of both worlds? Why not be able to do those dope-ass sketches, sketches that they do, yeah. the skits that they do, and have be a dope stand-up too? That's going to make you even better because what's happening is a lot of these young w- women and men are doing dope-ass sketches. I mean, I can't. I, I take my head off to them. I, I'm not that... If I put my time into it, I could be, but I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. I wish I could, but I may not even have the talent for that medium. But, you know, a lot of them are doing that. Then they go do stand-up. They haven't really put in the time for stand-up. They're selling tickets. They're selling out. Mm-hmm. But then after five, six minutes, some of them are fizzling. And you got to do a 45 to 50-minute show. And and so some of them, not all, some of them will start stealing material, which ain't cool. Or Or what they're doing is they're not giving a good full show. Yeah, and what's happening is is what I'm kind of like a little salty at is that you never know who's coming to a comedy show for the first time. So if somebody's coming to see you for the first time and they saw you your sketch, mm-hmm. and they come see you live, and I say first time at a live comedy show, and then you know it's whack, they might not ever come to a live show again. That's so true. now that's fucking with my money. I didn't even true. think about that. You that's fucking with Tony I, Rock money. I didn't think about it like that. Tony Roberts money, your Joe Torre money. You fucking with. My money now, because now people saw live stand up, and this is my first impression. And that, oh, is this what it is? So you got to you got to go on that st- stage and beast it. So and so, why not have the best of both worlds? Why not be a dope ass sketch artist and a dope ass stand up as well? Mm-hmm. But put the work in. And some people, I mean, you already, in some ways, is putting the cart before the horse. Because you know, when I came into the game, you 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 grind, you grind, you build your audience. And the audience, the audience follows you, so they see you yeah. grow. They grow with you, boom, boom, boom. And this, in this generation, they're, they're putting the cart before the horse. They're building an audience, mm-hmm. and oh. then, and then, and then they go on stage, and some audience, a lot of the audience members aren't sold. You're right. So, you know, you want you want to be able to do both. But is it okay to know if you are good at something, and or if they say? I can write a, a sketch or I can do a skit and act that out and I'm great. Stand up is not my thing. Like, yeah, but I can't. yeah, but and, and and they should. But they can try it and if they try it and it's not and they're not willing to put in the work, then 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 step away. Yeah. Because what you're doing is like they don't affect my road dates. I, I'm still working <laughs> consistently every year. But there's some comics who are veterans who are dope who aren't getting those those club dates because somebody's taking them. 
you know, from, you know, the sketches, and then they're not even doing good stand-up. Yeah. But there's a few out there who are fly, who who do both well, you know. So it's just work on your craft if you're that way. And if you if you and I understand the stand up is instant money. You know, yeah. you do a show, you get it right then. I get it. Yeah, I was about to say a lot of their managers talk them into it. I talked yeah. to a lot of people like, man, I didn't even want to do stand up, but you get pushed into it because like, hey, them tickets will sell because of your name and the followers and shit like that. So But then who who work for who then? You know, that's that's, that's a good the question. Other thing. That's the other thing with, <laughs> with young artists, you know, when you have an agent or manager, let's not forget they work for you. Mm-hmm. They get a percentage of your money. So they're there to advise you. They're there to, to, to negotiate contracts and deals. But you, at the end of the day, you have the power to say no. Mm-hmm. If it's some shit you don't want to do, then don't fucking do it. I'm, I'm saying it's in the same sentence. Pray on everything. I do. Yeah. If I don't know if I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Let me, let me give it to God and see what God say. Mm-hmm. And then, bam, I go. And every time I haven't, I did something I regret doing. So That's deep. Okay. So, so have you turned down anything, like, major for that reason? If a lot you gotta... of shit. A lot of shit I passed on. A lot of shit. Hollywood had to, had to do a lot of bullshit. <laughs> a lot of bullshit. <laughs> I'm just going to put it like that. I can see it in your face. God damn, I'm sick of this shit. You tell my agent, I don't do those type of roles. <laughs> Coming to me with that bullshit. So especially now, over the last like maybe five years or something, the roles that they send you have changed. Like coming from Hollywood, well, I mean, Hollywood. I haven't completely stepped away from acting. My focus isn't there right now. Yeah, I'm really, I really, my, I really want to be able to impact and help young comedians uh, tell their story. Yeah, and that's 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 my assignment. I believe is to is because comedians, you know, we we don't get the respect that we should. You know, we're more than just punchlines or. Or, or, or jokes or court jesters and clowns. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are healers. A lot of us are, are doctors. We're teachers. We're motivators through our stand-up. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a band. We don't have backup singers or dancers. It's us and that motherfucking mic <laughs> and our jokes. Yeah. That's all we got. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our stories, our origin stories, are incredible. And, and sometimes you never get to know them. So, that was the pitch for the show that they stole, man. I had the that was the pitch to find out and let everybody know those layers to the comedians that nobody knew. You know what I mean? Or even the ones that you do know. Certain they interview comedians certain ways, unless you Eddie Murphy, or we all get to see Eddie interviews like you know I mean, hundred times. But when the last time like we saw, we see I see Vlad, I see Gatory on Vlad, I see Gatory on. It was a that few was a more. Good interview. Yeah, it was a good, it was a decent ass interview. <laughs> Shit, I had to look and see. Yeah, I cheated a little bit, but no, you didn't cheat. That's doing, that's doing your research. Yeah, that ain't cheating. That's smart. But there ain't a lot of outlets that's looking for the comedian. Like I had Mike E. Winfield on there, hilarious brother, but right. a lot of not a lot of right. people know who he is. Well, my documentary, you know, we learned, and before we started filming this time, when I started filming my documentary for the Sizzle years ago, and I started interviewing comedians, and I was like, man. They got some great stories, but a lot of this shit ain't going to make it, unfortunately, because it's not what I need for this piece. Yeah. You know? So I created another show um, that's sort of going to be, you know, in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 these stories are incredible by comedians, but not just comedians, but, you know, casting directors and actors and writers right. and things like that. So everybody has a story. Yeah. It's just... Um, finding an outlet for. Okay. Hey, well, man, that's what we want to do. Like, as far as, like, 
All right, one more question because this, this is how my mind works. That's what you're going to do. That's what I'm going. I, t- I already uh, got the space uh, down the hall. Because you got you got to change your language. Hey, I'm change, one. change your language, you change your life. Change your words, you change your world. You know what? Words I do power. respect that and love that I messed up and made a misstep, but I already got the space down the hall. Like I look, I go rent space and then do shit. Right. I don't go. wait because you can't wait. Ain't nobody gonna hand you shit. Can't wait. Podcast, like, anybody want to give us no sponsorship? We do it our motherfucking self. Shit, we don't need y'all to get no slip. Uh, it'd be, it'd be nice. I mean? We'll grind. But, but, but if grind. you would like to, if you would like <laughs> to, just yeah, we you need y'all. You ain't saying no. <laughs> but y'all still don't see us, though. <laughs> At any time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, what's the first step? Like, uh, you say you created a show everybody know. God tore you in the industry. So, not to, don't say it's easy, but you know the right people. If you were going to create a television series, like, say, you want to shoot a whole season by yourself, fund your home. Your own stuff instead of pitching never, it. Never use your own money. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what? All right, let's talk about that. Is it bad to fund your stuff with your own money? Because it's sometimes not, people ain't cutting no checks. It's not bad. I mean, especially if you're going to do a sizzle. I mean, you got to spend some bread out of your pocket doing the sizzle. But mm-hmm. then, you know, you just got to find the I have right. no idea what the sizzle is. A sizzle is like a, tra- <laughs> a trailer of what the show is. Okay. So sizzle can be anywhere from three minutes to seven minutes. It really is just a, a overall, um, it's a pitch. It's it's overall what the show is, mm-hmm. you know. When I did my documentary, uh, the sizzle, uh, I, I, it took a minute because I had a I had an hour sizzle, which is not a sizzle, <laughs> and then I had to cut down to thirty minutes, and then eighteen minutes, and then um, I think twelve minutes, and then six, and Damn. then end up end up being, you know. Uh, um, Three minutes. Okay. So if you can do it in three minutes, that's because people's attention spans are short. Yeah. So if you can do it in three minutes, what's the show? You know, mm-hmm. what is it? What's the, what the documentary was, you know, a comedy that I created. These people came through. Um, these things happened. Uh, there was drama in, in, involved mm-hmm. and it went away, but the impact was important. So mm-hmm. you got to find a way to convey all of that in three minutes. In three minutes. Yeah. Wow. So do you think, okay, so which one would you suggest to a person? On paper? The on paper pitch or? Both. Both. Yeah, yeah, because here's the thing. You want to do a sizzle because sometimes people got to see it. Yeah. They have to just, you know, some people don't have vision. So Mm -hmm. for those blind motherfuckers, you got to have a sizzle. (laughs) Okay. But you also can have. I'm gonna start saying sizzle. I'm gonna be saying that shit for like the next two, three days. Like Bianca, about this sizzle. I'll be like, hang up. Go to sleep. All right, go ahead, bro. But you also gotta have. You also good to have a deck, and a deck is like, you can do it. You can do it on paper, but it's like a PowerPoint, like Keynote. You Mm -hmm. know, for those of you who have Apple, but it's a PowerPoint uh, thing. Um, And Uh, and it's really just a synopsis. Of what it is, some if you have pictures, some mm-hmm. cool pictures, you know what I mean, uh, some some maybe some quotes from people who are going to be in it, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's and it can be a good um, maybe five to six page, mm-hmm. you know, deck done well. They don't have to be that long, but you know, mine's a three part series, so it's going to be okay. three pages. But you can have you can have both and say here, and you can have it on paper or you can have it you know digital. You can email it. Mm-hmm. It's easier to get it to people. You know, right. have your sizzle, have it protected, mm-hmm. you know, put it in a, a, a file that, that expires where they can't download it. They can just look at it and things like that. You want to protect it. You can watermark it. 
which means put put a you know when you look at news and they got CNN in the corner or yeah. ESPN in the corner, that's watermarking your shit so they mm-hmm. know who it belongs to. A lot of people do it on Instagram. Yeah, they they post something and put the at so and so so people know this is my shit. This my Somebody shit. else reposted it. Yeah, I was about to say watermarking is, is crazy because now they put it like in the middle. Right. They yeah. used to put it right. like on the little right you on the side. Could, you yeah. got to because people will cut you your shit out. It. You can cut it like. Eh. <laughs> they put that shit Pro- right in the middle. Prop that shit right out. If, so if memes taught us anything, watermarking is important. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. So watermark your shit, but it's good to have a sizzle. Not to be confused with the other sizzle uh, <laughs> that's in Miami more than we do. <laughs> It's whole another scissor <laughs> if you're into that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't even. <laughs> yeah, you don't want I ain't even gonna comment on that. I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, sizzle and a deck. So and, and a and, deck and, was and, 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 and everything's on the fucking YouTube. So yeah. if you don't know how to do it, there ain't no excuses. YouTube that shit, yeah. and they would teach you how to do it. So I don't want to hear any, right. any excuses. Okay, All before right. we do anything else, I have to ask you about my favorite movie. I saw it in high school. My teacher showed us, and I was like, oh, my God. American History X. Oh, I thought you were going to say some of the porn I did. <laughs> God damn. I was going to. What high school did you go to? <laughs> I was going to ask about those after the show. But, uh. <laughs> that my movie with Beyonce called Deep Butt? What? <laughs> Deep No, butt. American History X. <laughs> How did you go into that movie? Because that was that was different. That was a little. That was very it was deep. another assignment, another godsend. Uh, going back to my comedy night, um, they saw me there, and they was there to see another comedian. And I can't say too much because it's going to be in the documentary. But they were there looking for another comedian, and I went up, and they ended up giving me the part over uh, the other comedian. Wow. I think because I was cheaper, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that much. <laughs> but, but, they put yeah. me in this shit. Fuck. Yeah, they put me in it, and, uh, man, that movie changed my career. It was amazing. Yeah, it was the first dramatic role that I did. That it did. So it showed Hollywood, hey, okay, he's more than just a stand-up. Yeah. yeah. And this is a, the thing about it is people get so surprised when they see a comedian do dramas, and there should be no really fucking surprise. Mm. We're dark, twisted, fucked up individuals anyway, (laughs) inside. Mm -hmm. And if we tap into that darkness, that that, that drama, that the reason why we do stand up, then we'll be make great dramatic actors. It's the fact that comedians, most comedians don't want to turn their funny off. Mm -hmm. And they're 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 and sometimes it's just a muscle that's involuntary that that wants to find the joke. When you have to completely abandon that yeah. Want to find a joke and tap into your dark side, and you can play a dramatic character. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do that with American History X, but also make it light. So it was a, it was a weird balance of being able to tap into the dark side, not go for the joke, and you know I was funny looking too with my raggedy ass teeth. So that that helped too. Wow. Okay. It was a good movie. Great. Did you just watch it? No. Uh, recently. <laughs> well, no. I I watch it every time like I see it come on because mm-hmm. it's just it's. Just it's really a dark good. movie though. I'm about but to yeah, say, I I've only seen it like twice. I'm in the mood to be. But it's a dark it, ass movie. I gotta watch it, some comedy. But it does make you see how how America be, is still like that. How it's like that, and mm-hmm. then how some people who don't who are blinded by it yeah. really start to see things when their life changes. Or it, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's just a good movie. I yeah. like it. 
That's it. And you know, it's funny. It's not a week that goes by that someone mentions that movie to me. That someone said they they, they did a paper on it in college. I or had to. Uh, Phil Jackson talks about. I mean, well, no, not Phil Jackson. Uh, some of the former Lakers said Phil Jackson used that movie in their film study when they were going against the Sacramento Kings, and that gave them motivation to beat the shit out of them. Damn. And you know, law enforcement tells me, oh, we studied that on in school and on class or in the academy. Yeah. So it's always been used for so many different ways of, of teaching or motivation. Wow. <clears throat> That's dope, though. It was. Okay, so we have questions mm-hmm. that we asked all of our guests. What the hell you been doing already? This is a little bit deeper. <laughs> what the fuck, the we fuck y'all been, been doing then? then? <laughs> <laughs> but we've been playing, but we really going to ask some questions now. <laughs> We yeah, we about to turn this shit up or not. <laughs> we done looked on the dark web. <laughs> no, okay. So we asked, what are your five favorite comedians and your five favorite comedy movies? That's a tough one because, you know, I, I've been influenced by so many. Well, you can you know. give us five. <laughs> so what you're trying to say is who, who's on my comedy Mount Rushmore? That's, That's right. the question that you really want to ask. That is right. <laughs> who's and I'm on gonna take comedy that Mount too. Rushmore? I'm going to take that too before you get it. <laughs> get your lawyer. I mean, no it, changes. <laughs> it changes when my point of view changes, but it's, uh, you know, Pryor, Murphy, okay. you know, um, uh, Whoopi. Damn. Ooh, a way. new one on the list. Way. And, uh, you know, I, I like, I like, you know, man, Ooh. Ca- Carlin, you okay. know, he was Carlin for his political, you know, Chris Rock for his political satire, uh, Dave Chappelle for his honesty. I mean, it, it's too many. I'm like a part of gumbo yeah. when it comes to stand up. <laughs> they all, you know, have, you know, influenced me. Martin Lawrence for his physical and his, his just overall uh, execution. You know, my brother, of course, because he inspired me to get into stand-up. So it's so many. I know you, listen. <laughs> it's too many. Everybody that, else. 12? You are, you are the, right, I'm on 24. You have to be difficult. Everybody I, else. Everybody That's else. my it. Well, we're going to give it to That's his it. He just told us. So write all of them down. <laughs> I'm shorting this list. <laughs> he said everybody. <laughs> okay, movies, though. Movies. Comedies or just movies, period? If Don't we usually go comedies? Comedies. Comedies? Okay. comedies? Yeah. Man, uh, comedies, I would have to say uh, Blues Brothers. Oh, that is I would have to say. Um, damn. Any of your movies? No. <laughs> Said not me. <laughs> not yet. Excluding my movies. Uh, damn, what, what comedy? Ooh. Damn, any Eddie Murphy movie. You know what? <laughs> Norbit. Ah yes, Uh-oh. fucking love Norbit. I don't yes. care what anybody Man, says. Time to start talking like Norbit what the hell is one of my Norbit. favorite movies. That was just on the other night too. Love Norbit. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> so plain is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> wow. I'm serious, man. Comedies. That's so comedy because my dramas are, are completely different. I just want to let you know, though, you know that this list will be shared with other celebrities when we come through. They usually it. be action and stuff, so you All know right. what I mean. So what did, what did I say? Uh, car wash. <laughs> Wait, did you? I just said you didn't even say oh, car wash. No, you car wash? You, you said Blues Brothers, Norbit, oh, and Soul Plane. Okay, okay then. <laughs> car, wash, car wash, okay. Blues Brothers, Norbit, Soul Plane. Okay. And uh, one more. I'm watching all that shit this week. Damn. That sounds like a good <laughs> <laughs> movie night. 
said, we're so plated. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn. Um, shit. Something, I would have to something say. Something you just probably watched. Something I just watched. A comedy. Oh, you know, Rush Hour. There you go. Rush yeah, Hour. that's the first time that hit the Rush list. Hour 1. I like my, the franchise. <laughs> Rush Hour 1. <laughs> I nigga said, I'm all about the franchise, yeah, baby. I, like the franchise. I know I got to put the franchise. <laughs> In parentheses. <laughs> the franchise. Okay, this is this is a good list. This is a good list. Unfortunately, my other computer isn't working, so I can't tell you what others shows okay. but this oh. is different like this whole i don't think there is anything probably blues brothers i think somebody said blues brothers whoopi goldberg shocked me on the comedians list though Why? that was yeah. dope because i don't think she i've never heard yeah. her like i don't think she get enough respect well she says she's not a stand-up comedian but she does her characters and her one woman shows mm-hmm. are epic yeah hell yeah i'm old enough to remember whoopi a lot of these youngsters yeah. have no idea she's just the, view, from the, the lady view. on the view yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what she's what I, mean? I think she may have the first egot if i'm not mistaken egot is she has an emmy a grammy oh. an oscar and a tony tony yeah. award you get on broadway so yeah. she has an egot yeah that's wow dope. that's dope you know what's so interesting too about this list what guy was the only person that we didn't have to say Give us a give us a movie that would be considered a white movie. Yeah, he just automatically popped off with it. He just started firing movies. Out. This <laughs> so, is pretty good. Yeah. Well, Eddie Murphy movies aren't black movies; they're just movies. Yeah, they're not yeah. considered black movies. Yeah, they're just movies. Yeah, because he's huge crossover yeah. appeal. Well, I just want to know because you said you can do the camera. You just that's not something that you choose to do. So in a in a I guess from. What you like to what you least like, what would it be? Like acting, comedy, um, writing? Now, cre- creative, creator, director, um, you know, producer. I like to produce. I want to put everybody in place and have everybody do their thing. Okay. Yeah, that's more fun. Okay, so since yeah. you've done it, it's better to see other people kind of. Yeah. yeah, I think God took me through those steps to be able to appreciate each one of those jobs and be able to know what I want and 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 know what I want and who I want to put those things together. So it's like, you know, I know, I can look at someone's camera work and say, okay, yeah, I like that. I can look at their directing and say, okay, yeah, I like that. I think someone's writing. So that I want to be able to put all the pieces in place. Got you. Okay. Dope, dope, dope. And there was one more question I usually ask. If you could be any other profession, like just any other, what would you be? Beyonce's thong. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a it'd be a hairy situation. I'll sweat it out. Are they hiring? I ain't heard nothing about I this. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Rihanna's panty line. <laughs> I this cool oh, said, but I'm gonna sweat it out. Kelly, no. Kelly Rowland's bra. <laughs> Hey man, that's some good jobs. All good careers. All, all, all good. Careers. You know all what? All great no, careers. No, no, guy, <laughs> no, you gotta pick a real one. I put they that real, but I'm a no. But I'm gonna put that. To where, the, would you, where would you all be without thongs, bras, and panty liners? That's a real job. No, say that to the panty liners. They are underrated. When, they are underrated out here. I can't deal with y'all. No, when you were ten. I like this dude, man. Look, For real. Look at you. When you were ten. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was 10, did you want to be a fireman? <laughs> that's exactly what I thought it was going to be. 
Okay. A firefighter. And then I, as I got older, I thought I was going to be in the NFL. Okay, I'm going to put and all these. This is pretty then, good. Um, but more passionately. <laughs> <laughs> do not. A panty liner, a thong, and a bra. I knew you would go. Punch I already knew it. I already knew it. I could have been. I, I smelled the setup a mile yeah, away. I, I didn't say tampon. <laughs> no, I. Well, it's okay. I got what I wanted. I got the. <laughs> I got the answer. I didn't say Kotex. I said it would be a penny lighter. The NFL. Yeah, I had, I had skills. I had football skills. Well, well. Look at this. <laughs> I said football skills. Goddamn. <laughs> I had. Did you? Did you hear me? This, this comedy thing was. Don't let choice. this comedy shit fool you, goddamn. <laughs> No, I was an athlete. Okay. Or as, as Charles Barkley said, an athlete. <laughs> I just want to know, in such a dope time, how did you even touch the Martin show? Like, how was it? Maybe it, because it wasn't as, I don't know. Wait a minute. Wasn't no, you well, bad, Martin, on that one? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you try to get it, Gina? <laughs> like, am I tripping? Okay, bro. Well, I, I didn't throw the, that in there because I was like, I how, think how I remember I got, him being that dude. The, how I got the job was my brother Joe. Joe and Martin were friends. And when I got to L.A., he was like, you know, Joe didn't want me in his pocket. So <laughs> he went to Martin and said, hey, man, my little brother's in town. You know, you have anything over at production he can do. So I had a meeting over there with the production coordinator and ended up being a PA, uh, which is a production assistant. So mm-hmm. that's basically that's a, go- a gopher, an in, a paid intern, basically. Yeah. Well, you know, you you're getting coffee, you're running scripts, you you're you're delivering scripts, you're you know running errands, the whole nine, whatever the show needs support in, you're you're that guy. So I was that guy, yeah. and that's how I got my way in, and then the rest is history. But that's that's even to be a gopher is just to be able to soak up everything. Yeah. That's why I say it was it was my best job in the industry because I got to learn what the in, what production is. Yeah, and I got to meet so many people behind the scenes. That's crazy. That is. Crazy. Making those connections, man. That's what it's all about, too. That's crazy. And then you got to hang with Tupac. Yeah, I met Tupac through my brother Joe. You know, they done poetic justice. And uh, like I said, Tupac was always hanging around the comedy clubs. Man, that is dope, man. Just had those experiences. Bernie Mac, give us, you know. Bernie was a beast. Man, before we get out of here, because I've had like five comedians give me a good Bernie Mac story. I love them. Now, of course, I'm going to have to get some Paul Mooney stories, man, but. Give me a good Bernie Mac story. What's the funniest or the most, just the dopest the thing you ever told you? Bernie, Bernie Mac story was when we were on the set of Life. Like, usually when you're on the set and you have stars as big as Martin and Eddie Murphy, you know, in between takes and stuff, when they're doing a new lighting setup or camera move or whatever, then they go back to their trailers and yeah. just wait for the set to be ready. But Bernie would hold court and would, and be telling stories. Mm-hmm. He's telling... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> us this one story and Eddie was sitting there and he's like yo man uh, I was driving down the street and you know I picked up this hitchhiker I normally picked up hitchhikers but I picked up this hitchhiker and the dude had a big duffel bag with him yeah. and the guy said man can you help me you know put this in the, in the trunk so Bernie was struggling with it they both struggling to put this thing in the trunk and it's heavy and he's like you know, um, he said, what's in here? He said, none of your motherfucking business. <laughs> <laughs> and Bernie was like, whoa, what the fuck? Okay, so he put in the car, he's driving, they're driving, they're driving down, driving down. And he said, come on, man, what what, what the fuck is in what the fuck is in that bag back there? I mean, I'm driving you. What's in that fucking bag? Yeah. He said, none of your motherfucking business. <laughs> so then Bernie was driving and said, man, why well, I ain't got to take you, man? You can get out. He said, pull over, pull over. And Bernie pulled over and dude just got out and started running and just ran off. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck? That was it? <laughs> and then Bernie said he went and looked in the trunk and looked in that bag and opened it and saw what was 